Welcome to the radio ministry of Cedar Grove United Methodist Church. May God fill you and transform you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now for some music and then Pastor Brian Bully.
She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, in the old days, it was common for a different family every week to invite the pastor home for Sunday dinner. Of course, the pastor in those days was often a younger single man, and the families usually had multiple children. And because this was a big deal, especially in a time before microwaves, that meant that mom didn't go to church on that Sunday. But she stayed home to clean and to kill and pluck the chicken, fire up the wood stove, bake a couple of pies, string some beans, and cook them. And if the family was focused upon God, she would get the sermon from her husband later that afternoon as she fell asleep in the heat, because you sure didn't have air conditioning in those days. Joining the Sunday dinner rotation, you see, was a big deal. It was a mark that a woman had arrived, that this young wife was accepted by the church, that she was seen as competent, even though it was also a sign that she would now miss a sermon every few weeks. Of course, today we have people who are listening to the sermon on their phones or on their computers as they microwave lunch, or they drive to KFC or to Little Caesars to pick up lunch. 
But there's still something missing, you know, when we don't attend the fellowship in person. We miss that chance to share struggles with each other, to learn life hacks from the older folk in the church, to be assured by that 80-year-old woman that, yeah, most teenagers do go through that stage and they come out okay, it's just tough for a couple years. For you know, there's much more to church than just listening to the sermon. There's the advice that comes from all the older folk who have lived through those same struggles and who know those burdens that you carry. Today, we have a familiar story. Jesus and his disciples are traveling towards Jerusalem. They've just climbed that steep, dry, 3,200-foot climb from Jericho up, 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 out of the mountain, out of the Jordan Valley. It's a climb, it's like climbing Seneca Rocks three and a half times, because Seneca Rocks is only 900 feet, but they had to go 3,200 feet. Every time they went to Jerusalem, there it was, climbed 3,200 feet. Just before, just before they would go over the last hill, the Mount of Olives, and descend into Jerusalem, they came to the village of Bethany. The town's located about two miles from Jerusalem. It's on the southeast side of the Mount of Olives. And its name, well, we're not really sure. It either means house of figs, or what more people are beginning to think, it's house of affliction. That ties into the fact that lepers lived in the village, probably in a poor house supported by charity. There was also a nicer home. It was the home of three siblings, Lazarus and Martha and Mary. We think Martha may have been the eldest. That day, Jesus and his dozen disciples, plus probably more people, arrived and planned to spend the night at the home. Now, I want you to imagine this. Tracy, the whole church is going to be over at your house at 2 o'clock this afternoon. Actually, we didn't give you that much notice. We just knocked on the door. Can you imagine what you go through at that point? Well, Martha went through it. It was a common event. You know, you could kind of predict there were going to be people stopping by because many pilgrims from Galilee would pass by the house on their way to the festivals in Jerusalem and spend the night there. Our text tells us that Martha opened her home to Jesus. And then she began to scurry around, probably with the servant's help, preparing food, preparing rooms for all of these guests, but she had to make all the decisions. She had to do most of the work. There's no mention made of any children that were in the house that could have helped, and it appears that none of the three siblings were married, so there were no husbands, no, no wife of Lazarus, none of those to help out. Jesus took a seat and he began teaching, probably the disciples. And Mary, Mary, she sat at his foot, listening to everything he was saying. And this went on for some time. She was just staring up at him, listening, listening, staring into his eyes, while Martha scurried around, working, working, working. And finally, it occurs to Martha that Mary is not helping. And you can just imagine Martha as she slowly becomes a martyr getting more and more angry at all the work that needs done. And her right-hand woman, her little sister, was not helping. She was just sitting there lollygagging as she listened to this young teacher. And Mary, Mary, she's just staring at Jesus, listening. And finally, Martha had enough. She marched into the room where Jesus was, walked up to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. 
Now I want you to notice the ideas that are inherent in Martha's tirade. Women should be helping in the kitchen and the preparations, not listening to someone talk about God and eternal life and the meaning of Scripture. What's important as far as Martha is concerned is the here and now, the practical. Who's going to put dinner on the table? Who's going to peel those potatoes? Who's going to clean up the mess in the second bedroom and the trash needs taking out? There's no time for God talk. We need to get things done and we need to get it done now because we've got to get the dinner going. Mary needed, you see, according to Martha, Mary needed to be staring not at Jesus but at some figs. And she needed to be staring at some bread dough that she was making. And she needed to be maybe killing and cleaning a goat for cooking. And she also had to clean up. And she was just wasting time there sitting, staring at Jesus. She wasn't being practical at all. And you know, we still have this today. Let's use Sunday mornings as a time to clean the house, to prepare a picnic, to do laundry, it's a time to move around the furniture, shop online for new clothes, weed the garden, maybe a time to watch some television or to sleep a couple extra hours. And it's not just women that have this attitude. There's many men who believe that Sunday morning is a time for practical things, like changing the oil in the pickup, fixing the broken fence, polishing and waxing the car. Sunday morning is a time for listening to the news shows and reading the Sunday paper, getting ready for that big NFL game that comes on at noon. Maybe it's the time to sleep in or to play computer games. But Jesus, Jesus came down hard on Martha. He said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what's better, and it won't be taken away from her. Jesus was very clear that morning. He said, don't worry about the food, the cleaning, the preparations. These really aren't that important. What is important is understanding what God wants from each of us. We've got a vacation Bible school coming up, and we've got these wonderful decorations here. But you know, that's not what's important. What's important is that the children hear the word of God and they know that people love them and take care of them, and God does too. All the decorations, everything else we do is nice, but it's not as important as those core facts of let the kids know that this is the great place where they can be loved and where God is. Two stories. First, my wife once pastored a small church in Clarksburg. When she began, it had about eight to ten people in attendance. It was a very small church. It was kind of running on a half an engine. But eventually it grew to about two dozen people. But one time a woman died who was a key part of the church. She had many children and grandchildren, and each member of the family was physically quite large and tall. Jim, you would have fit in just fine. Sandra was responsible for the funeral, and the church was responsible for the funeral dinner. Unfortunately, there were only three women in the church who could help with preparing the food, and one of them was disabled and couldn't do much. 
So it was Sandra, who loves to cook, and her, her friend. And the two of them jumped in. Sandra sat down and spoke with the family. She went home and she wrote the eulogy the next morning. And that afternoon and evening before the funeral, she cooked and she baked and she cooked some more dishes. And about 10 that evening, she took all her food to the church and put it in the refrigerator, about six or seven different dishes. The next morning, she was up at 5 a.m. making more dishes. I also got up because I had a separate funeral going across town that morning. Getting tired, though, suddenly Sandra realized that she couldn't get the food to the church and make it to the funeral home, and she sure did not want to leave it in the car for an hour and a half. So she called her co-worker at the church and said, could you come by and stop and pick up the, church, pick up the food and take it to church? And then she jumped into the shower and she put on her funeral clothes and she was about to leave when her friend called her back telling her she'd just received a call from a large Italian restaurant in town who had been asked by someone in the family to cater the meal for 50 people. God had handled the situation. All the work that Sandra and her friend had done was just icing on the cake. So Sandra did the funeral that morning. And then she went to the church, and about 30 very large people came to funeral dinner. And there were some of the best spaghetti and meatballs and salads and desserts that the town had to offer waiting in the fellowship hall. And Sandra, who, as you know, listens carefully to the Holy Spirit, she got a strong message from the Holy Spirit. It whispered in her ear and said, Sandra, I did not call you to cook. I called you to preach. And she said, sorry, sir. And she's kept in mind that whenever she has to make that decision about where to spend her time, she focuses upon God. The other story is this. A few years ago, I taught a Sunday school class, and in that class was a woman who was enduring many pressures in her life. Husband, children, money, loneliness, even problems with the family back home several states away. She had not been raised in church. In fact, she was raised in a totally different religion, a different culture. But when she visited her mother, who was from the old religion and culture, one day, and told her that she'd begun to attend a Christian church, and what went on every Sunday in our, in our Sunday school class, her mother said, it seems like this is guidance for your life, for free, because of their support. You need to keep going. And she did. And more recently, a middle-aged man who has a nice job, a leader in his company, said much the same thing to another group. He said this about how he had learned to live. He said this group was how he learned to live and grow in today's world. Others in the group have agreed that our, this small group is supportive and healthy and worth attending because it's small enough to allow all sorts of questions, but large enough to get different points of view. Together, we learn what God wants of us. And since God created this universe, what God wants of us is probably key to living well in this universe. You can come to a Bible study here on Wednesday evenings. Not this week because we've got vacation Bible school going, but next week. You know, in most of our lives, we are Marthas. I'm sure that someone has told you at some point that you're a Martha. 
We spend the vast majority of our lives focusing upon the urgent little details of our lives. We, we, we need to make money. We need to ensure that our cars and trucks are operating. Our computers are running just fine. Our food, our laundry, our cleaning. We do things for other people in our lives, our spouse, our children, our parents, even our employers and employees and our pets. You ever spend a bunch of money on your pets? So much of our lives is spent in this doing. And the world around us has convinced us that we deserve leisure time. And so we spend our remaining time in sleep and watching television and scrolling on our phones and playing games and on vacations. And we might go to the beach and we might go to the mountains or we simply camp out on a spare property 20 miles from nowhere. And we think that this is the way to life. But the real message of Jesus in this story is that the most important thing that we can do when the chance allows it is to become a Mary. Listening to someone who speaks on behalf of God speak to us about the wisdom that God has given us. And so, as Mary, when the chance allows, we should spend time attempting to learn more about the God who created us, about the Son, about what His Son has done for us, and what that means for us and our marriages or deep relationships and our children. Learning about God should become one of our top priorities, perhaps our top priority. For our priorities in life determine how people remember us and how God remembers us when we stand in front of God at the end of time. And you know, you can also, in the story, you can be Jesus and your friends can be Mary's. Because there comes a time when you're the one that's standing in front of someone else and you're teaching and they need to be listening to you. We're going to do a lot of that over the next three days, aren't we, with the, with the children here. We have to teach as Jesus would teach, and we have to keep their attention, and we have to help them understand that this is what's important. Do we really, do we really want to be known as the man or woman who thought that they could make it through life with just the lessons that the world has taught? That we're taught to us by people that we really don't like, by men and women who didn't care much for us, by writers in Hollywood who wrote the television shows or the movies that we watched and we learned our lessons from? Or do we have the integrity and the humbleness to realize that there are things about life, ideas about living, that perhaps the God who created the universe knows better than we do? Listening to Jesus and staring into the eyes of Jesus can be intensely practical because of his advice about life and death. He's the one who can tell us what to do in all sorts of situations. When our lives get difficult, and they are getting increasingly difficult around us, we each need all the wisdom we can find to survive and live a good life and to help our children live good lives. When things grow too difficult to bear, we need strong, wise people to share our burdens with. There are many in this room. As our world changes around us and our children deal with pressures that we only vaguely heard of when we were young, 
Both ourselves and our children need a strong guidance from the God-man, Jesus Christ, and those who listen to him. Jesus, who lived our lives, who bore our griefs, who survived torture, and then died when we should have died. And it's only Jesus who can show us the way to the other side, a way of eternal life, of joy, of a way of living that tells the pressures of the world, be gone for good, even death be gone. For it's Jesus who rose from the dead and then, having gained the power over death itself, defeating death, he came back to teach us how to live. So will you be a Martha or a Mary? The world would have you be a Martha. Jesus would rather you be a Mary. The next time you find yourself overwhelmed, worked almost to death, struggling with all sorts of problems and issues, there's so much to do, there's so much to worry about, let the voice of the Holy Spirit remind you that you are choosing to be a Martha, choosing to be distracted by many things. And you can choose time with Jesus and scripture and prayer to stare, take time to stare into the eyes of Jesus. Be practical. Become a, Mar a Mary. Take time to learn wisdom from the Son of God. Be a practical Mary. So join us up here at the altar. Such as it is, it is a little different today. But that's neat. You can come up here and it'll be different. Make a commitment to both God and yourself to spend more time with God as Mary did, looking into the eyes of Jesus. Or perhaps you can come forward to pray, not for yourself, but for another who needs to know the love of Christ. Pray for the children that will be here this week. Pray that there will be many that we don't know about yet. Come forward to pray for all these folks to come to know the love of Christ as we sing this song.
Methodist Church and Pastor Brian Boley would like to thank you for listening to last week's pre-recorded sermon. Join us live this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and on Facebook. We are located on Route 47, a mile and a half east off I-77, just across from WVU Parkersburg campus. Donations may be mailed to Cedar Grove UMC, 168 Old Turnpike Road, Parkersburg, West Virginia, 26104. Or you can text the word GIVE to 1304-244-1903 or visit our website, cedargroveunitedmethodist.org and click on the GIVE tab. This will bring up a form where you can determine how much you would like to give. Thank you and God bless you in your life.